0: This is Daniel Fagell, and you're listening to the AI in Business podcast, where non-technical professionals stay ahead of the AI curve. If you do not want to learn to write Python, but you do want to identify high ROI projects and help to steer an AI strategy, you found yourself in the right place. In this episode, we're going to be talking about computer vision. Often, when people think about computer vision, they imagine what a human being's eyeballs would look at, and they say, okay, what could we use for AI to look at the same things a human would look for? Maybe we're looking for someone moving in surveillance footage. In today's case, we're looking at manufacturing. So maybe we want to examine possible defects in some manufactured product the same way a human being would. Well, as it turns out, machines can look at things in ways that human beings can't. I'm talking about infrared and other kinds of cameras that do not model the human eye, but might be able to pick up on things the human eye cannot. In addition, we talk about machine listening. That is to say, how can we use audio data to determine what might be going wrong in the manufacturing process? And again, this goes beyond what the human ear can listen to. This episode gives us a lot of different jumping off points into where computer vision and audio might make the difference, including going beyond how humans are currently diagnosing our machines. Our guest this week for this in-depth and interesting topic is none other than Remy Duquette. Remy has been with us in the past. Remy leads artificial intelligence at Maya HTT. Maya is an AI services firm. And Remy has previously joined us on episodes about improving throughput and improving quality with AI in manufacturing. Today, we are focusing on the tools of the job, vision, and listening, and be able to go beyond the human senses to be able to drive results in predictive maintenance and improving quality in the manufacturing process. This episode is brought to you by Maya HTT. To learn more about reaching Emerge's global audience for your AI products or services, stay tuned to the end of this episode. Without further ado, let's fly in. It's always fun to talk to Remy. This episode is no exception. This is Mr. Remy Duquette of Maya HTT on the AI in Business podcast.
1: So Remy, welcome back to the program. Thank you, Dan. Always great to have a good chat with you. You
0: bet, brother. From across the border down here, one of, one of my favorite Canadian AI folks to be able to riff with. And today we're talking about a fun topic. We're going to make our way all the way to sensor fusion, but the ideas on the table are computer vision and machine listening. I wonder if we could define those first for the folks at home before we get started with the rest of our questions.
1: Absolutely. I mean, partly, folks remember. You know, I, I spoke a lot about uh, real-time telemetry in the past in an industrial environment. So when we move to machine vision, you have to see it really the way it is. So machine vision can come from you know, basic 2D cameras that produce images on a stream basis. So you get a bunch of images that stream along. Or you can go to a little bit more fancy machine vision, which would incorporate the depths in the camera. So that's called a ser- stereographic camera, a 3D type of, of camera where you add the depth to the pixel. And then separately, you have thermal imaging camera, right? So if you put a thermal filter in there with a nice uh, little sensor, you can get the temperature distribution of what you're looking at. So these are really visual inputs. So you can see them as, vi- we call them you know, video as a sensor, in in this context and then separately if you look at audio well it's it's really what it is it's it sounds that we leverage to to learn specific maybe machine misbehavior or equipment starting to to fail or squealing wheel or or things that are audible right whether it's a, a low or very high frequency of course machine audio has a little bit more bandwidth than a human being, but in general, it's, it's what we're talking about. Like machine vision, visually see things, either in 2D, 3D, or adding some thermal or thermography filters to them, or in the audio sense, just the, the, the audio components of, of a operation or other things that, that we can hear about
0: got it and we're going to talk about these in the real world but this is useful to clarify you know you mentioned on the vision side there's a number of different aspects here i think sometimes people think computer vision they think oh so sort of like a camera and the machine can look at what's in the camera but it it's not necessarily just a camera as humans would like to see it like you said thermal can be part of the mix 3d can be part of the mix and and there's a lot more breadth there when it comes to audio is there anything like that kind of variety in audio? In other words, are there are there different types of vibrations we're tuning into, or is audio kind of the same, or or is there also variety there?
1: Well, there there is definitely some level of variety there because when you look at from a, a, a human basically perspective, we look at or we we listen to a, a time series of, of fluctuations in pressure that hits our, our eardrum and, and then we make a sound out of it. If you think of it that way from a machine listening perspective, yeah, you have that time series of those fluctuations, but you can also, in with some mathematics, do some vibration analysis. So a vibration transfer, the time series into a vibration content over time. And that's really where you can add a little bit more knowledge to the time series where you can isolate some specific frequencies of sounds uh, that are happening, whether it's a, a very loud, you know, kind of a, a, an instrument, a metallic instrument falling on, on a hard surface, you'd hear like a very huge ping kind of thing that you can isolate and say, okay, an instrument drop on the floor, or on a hard table or something. So, So these are interesting variations of audio that the machine can yeah can leverage to for all sorts of interesting purposes
0: curious and so we'll, let's talk a little bit about computer vision in the real world we'll give people kind of like a meaningful example and then we're going to do the same thing with the audio side of things but you know what's interesting about this is that some of this is not what the human would be looking at with the naked eye, so I think people think about computer vision in manufacturing, and they might say, "Oh, we want to be able to see if a part is falling off, or we want to be able to see if there's a crack." But sometimes we want to be able to see, quote unquote, heat, as you mentioned, you know, thermal imagery. Walk us through maybe what you think is a good representative example of computer vision in sort of a heavy industry context.
1: The easiest, perhaps, to understand is is a safety security kind of example where human beings that walk through you know, a video scene, even from a 2D camera standpoint, you could overlay or learn to follow the the human pose, the body of the human and as kind of you see it as a stick model moving around. You've probably seen on on many videos how, how that works. And and so you could overlay that and with the field of view that you're looking at, you know if there is a zone in that field of view that is a, you know, a zone where people could get hurt, right? And Or if a, a little truck comes in and, and starts backing up for whatever reason when it shouldn't, then you, you could already see how you could light up some red lights around in, on those paths to alert people that something is going awry and people need to, to take action because they could get hurt. So that's kind of an interesting idea of, of looking at a field of view using AI as a simple pause model model to track the human being in that scene and then making sure that they are not in areas where they could get hurt. So that's one use case. The other use case would be to look at thermal imaging camera and and how you could learn how something heats up all of a sudden. So it could be a very electrical, like a small electrical fault in a piece of equipment that is heating up a, the side of a panel. Of course, you're not seeing that. You know, inside the machine, s- some electrical failure is happening, and it's heating up that corner of, of the panel. And if you were to touch it with your human hand, you you would probably you know burn yourself. So, having that kind of camera that will kind of depict those and send safety uh, notifications to shop floor workers can, can become a very interesting safety and security use case that, that we've seen have.
0: Got it. Okay, cool. So a few, a little bit of a panoply of examples for people to imagine. I think that overlaid stick figure is actually, it's even kind of its own category there to think about all the places where safety-wise that might be able to be applicable. And I guess then we can talk a little bit about the machine listening side of things. I mean, what immediately comes to mind from past conversations with you, Remy, on and off the microphone, and just knowing a little bit about this space is that maybe we as a, as a company, we're we're looking to detect failures or how a machine is running. And we know that there's a certain pattern of vibration or there's a certain sound that might happen. Like you said, the clinking of something metal or the dropping of a heavy object or something that we just really want to be able to know if anything like that happens within a certain environment. Are those the kind of ex- examples that that we could use to to make this tangible for the audience?
1: Absolutely. I mean, you know, as the asset helps example or kind of condition-based or preventive maintenance you're alluding to is is really where these audio signal, even before you get to vibration, once you get to vibration of a machine, it's a pretty good indication that the heart failure is about to happen at that time. So it's a bit too late <laughs> for many, in many cases. Hmm. But way before that, Right, the the audio pressure and the sound coming out, and that's why you know if you if you ask older uh, folks, you know, that have walked the shop floors before, they will say, oh yeah, yeah, this machine is there's something wrong with this machine. I can hear it, right? And. You know, you're there walking with them. You're like, I have no idea what that person is listening to. But yeah, OK, it's maybe something is actually happening. And then when you look at the, the trace of, of you know, the sound coming out of these machines, you can see there's a shift, a, a very slow but audible shift in the the sound pressures and, and the frequencies that are shifting over time. Yeah. And it's very, it's very subtle. But, you know, to the human eye, that strain on these machines, hearing them day in, day out, you can definitely see the difference over, over a couple of days. And those are very early signs. That's the beauty of it. It's typically very early signs of failure onset of failures. So so you can catch them and, and forecast the failure a lot better if you follow those audio sound signals from from these machines. And even if you're in a very noisy environment, you can actually abstract the noise, the, the white noise around that machine. And, and train the model to really depict that those shifts in frequencies over time and, and alerts of, of these asset health failure or onset of asset conditions.
0: And the audio is sort of interesting. You know, in in the computer vision side of things, there's a number of things that you can do with cameras that you, on some level, couldn't really do just with your eyes as a human being. You know, the the thermal imaging, for example, you can't find somebody on the shop floor who has you know, Superman eyes, and they can detect the heat of things just by looking at them. So you have to kind of think about, oh, where might we want to use thermal imaging, even if that's not how humans diagnose it. You did just bring up the same thing about audio with a human being on the shop floor. The human being picks up on some very small, subtle change in the, you know, vibration or sound coming from a machine. And so we then, we then sort of use their, their intuition to listen in, Are there times where, kind of like with thermal imaging, maybe the human can't even hear the thing and we're just going to use AI to detect it because it's so subtle, humans can't even pick it up?
1: Yeah, I mean, the thermal imaging cameras is really where it it definitely augments that that human capability because we can't see any infrared signal. But it, it definitely is an example of where we would, in those cases, put thermal imaging camera in locations where we know there's potential for something to heat up when it's not necessarily supposed to. And where those areas could become a safety security issue or even just change the productivity or efficiency of the line. If you're going too fast, for instance, and the motor are heating up a bit too much, right? You may want to dial down a tiny bit to safeguard the longevity of of your motors in in some cases. So, you know, there's some adjustments there of, of, process efficiency versus you know safety and security aspects that you can look at. But certainly, yeah, uh, the thermal imaging camera and infrareds kind of uh, spectrum is something that that clearly a human being could not possibly learn from because you can't see it, you can't have that as an input. Another one is the, the, the 3D stereographic type of camera mm-hmm. that, that we've used now extensively, which is you add the depth value into the field and that allows you to then create safety zones in 3D, whereas a human eye, like, are you three meters away or are you two and a half meters away? I, I you know, It's going to be very difficult to the human eye. But because of the context of the pixels and the 3D nature of, of where you're looking at, you can get that extra dimension and then use that extra information to infer if a stick model of a human being walking around is actually in that 3D zone or not, because you can see it it, with these stereographic cameras. So another type of example where the machine vision or machine audio can have extra inputs that benefit the learning that humans would not be able to achieve.
0: Yeah, this is, this is useful, I think, because we're gonna, we're gonna start talking about the fusion between different data sources and what kind of new capabilities emerge there. But I think it's an important takeaway for the, the listeners to understand that there are some times when a human knows how to diagnose something with their human senses and we get the idea to replicate that with a machine and pick up on a subtle audio cue or on some kind of a, a clear visual cue that a human expert would also use to, to diagnose a problem. There's other times where we know that heat is happening. We know that vibration is happening, but it might not be something human senses can pick up on. And we still might want to use technology to solve the problem. So I think for me, Remy, that really opens the aperture of how many ways there are to attack the problem. It's, it's much more than it sounds like the naked eye can necessarily
1: just conjure forth. Absolutely, now, the, the integration of, of the, all those sources of interesting data, once we've cleaned them up, of course, you know, in a reliable way, can can it yeah, definitely solve a lot of complex problems that humans may have been able to solve in some ways, but not completely. And and the new ones clearly, yeah, are adding value here to to the Shuffle workers for sure.
0: Got it. So now we can talk a little bit about the combination of the two. You know, a human being that's looking at a machine is often doing more than looking. They're looking, they're listening, they're paying attention to other sources of data, multiple streams of information have to come in for us to make decisions about the operations of something on the shop floor, maybe a vehicle somewhere. Talk a little bit about what sensor fusion sort of means, and then maybe we can talk a little bit about the combination of audio and video.
1: Mm-hmm. Well, I mean, sensor fusion is, is exactly what it sounds like. It's combining a various sensor inputs, whether it's a video inputs with a real-time telemetry input and an audio sensor that will give you the sound of what's happening in, in this environment. And you combine them in a logical fashion so that you know that the sum of the three parts are, are are actually getting you to a decision that you would not have otherwise be able to take with you know the individual parts. So if you look at a, a specific concrete example of this, if you look at at a very any any machine really you know we started in in this world for you know, more than a decade ago now in the telemetry and and time series type of data that you acquire from from machines and in those telemetry and real time signals you can depict the onset of of things that are are not right right sort of outlier kind of telemetry the temperature goes a little bit high and the the pressure goes a bit too low but it's not obvious yet that it's it's actually leading to a problem but it's it's the onset of these kind of jitters in the telemetry that we can depict there on the telemetry but alone you can't link that to a specific problem that will happen in in a week or in a month or whatever but if you combine that with now a chain a specific change in sound right from the machine and the shift in frequency, then you can isolate, you know, within the machine, what components have these specific frequencies. And now you can say, oh yeah, with the temperature rising a little bit and jittering and the pressure going a bit down and these these types of, of shift in frequency of sound, well, that combined together, now it means that my wheel will start squeaking in two days and it will go out of balance and will cause issues on, on the shop floor and the, you know, we'll have to repair and, and probably stop the machine. So those are the kinds of sensor fusion ideas. If you extend it to the video aspect with you know thermal imaging camera, of course, a problem in, in voltage or, or electricity type of signals, the, the current or other power device that are tracked in, in real time, if you combine it with a thermal image that shows a spot kind of area on, on the machine or inside the machine, if you place the, the sensor inside, you know, infrared cameras can be put any, anywhere in, inside the guts of the machine. Well, then you get this additional advantage of seeing a thermal signature that is linked to a telemetry that says, okay, yeah, this is heating up and it's not normal. That coil should never be above... 80 uh, Fahrenheit or whatever, 120 Fahrenheit, whatever it is that that the the, the threshold is. And then you can act on and go and slow down the machine and then replace them between shift before a problem occurs.
0: Got it. Okay. So some of this also seems like in order to know how to fuse different sensors, there's a lot of strategy. I wonder if You have advice for people that are tuned in. They realize that diagnostics are about more than pictures, more than sounds. It's about a combination. So let's say that point has been made. When it comes to finding the kind of high ROI opportunities to combine sensor data, on the one hand, we have how available is the data? So maybe things that are really hard to get—it's very hard to get a camera there, very hard to get a microphone there. Maybe that makes it more challenging. We also have to think about the impact. You know, is this a problem that could cost us tens of millions, or is this kind of a side thing? What are the factors to consider to think about? You know, among all of our operations, where could and should we be thinking about data fusion?
1: Where where should we really be be considering that as a,
0: a, a project starting point?
1: Well, I mean, as usual in all. AI and machine learning type of, of project, you want to start with that, exactly that business use case and the business value. And we have a process whereby we will you know, create a little roadmap with a, a client of, look at all the use cases and the value and how much cost roughly it will take, small, medium, large, right? You can do some characterization to prioritize yeah, yeah, your, yeah, your, yeah, your yeah. AI effort, as, as everybody has talked about in I think, many times, but it's still very true today people still need to go back to, okay, let's look at our use cases and which one do we apply AI to. And on the sensor side, what's really interesting though is the sensors have become very much a commodity, right? So even the the 3D stereographic camera, you have some that are very cheap these days. Like, you know, we're talking about less than $1,000, sometimes less than $500. And that kind of visual aspect that you're adding on an edge device is, is now possible. Whereas like, four years ago that would not not even be an option thermal imaging cameras have also gone down in price significantly and you can get a, a pretty high quality camera in, in a reasonable of course you still have the, the very 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 high precision thermal imaging cameras that are you know, in the, you know thirty thousand 000 range but you have a lot of them now that are in the a few hundred dollar or a few, you know, low low thousand dollar uh, range where you can, you know, safely use them and properly calibrate them and and you're good to go. So, so I think that the sensor aspect of the cost has gone down. And because we're uh, experts in the leveraging that time series data, we've dealt with industrial sensors in the out before. So we, we, we have really good source of uh, in, in the US and Canada where we can actually you know uh, deploy those. So it's, it's very interesting is it's becoming easier and lower cost to, to deploy additional sensors in the world right now with you know mesh networks and other things that you can put on top fairly inexpensively in, in your shop floor and it, it's not going to be the huge infrastructure change that, that some people may have thought it could be <laughs> in, in the first place.
0: Got it. So yeah, in part, you know, every year there's the potential that sensors and technology in general are going to get cheaper, smaller, better to the point where our assessment of a viable project is going to shift. I think that's very important. Obviously, cell phones have driven down the cost of really good sensors of all different kinds. And I imagine the, yeah. your heavy industry space, you guys have reaped the rewards of that, just like the folks in robotics have. So it sounds like there, there's on, on the one hand, there's a rule of thumb, small, medium, large on the cost side. Maybe there's also a small, medium, large on the the ROI impact kind of bottom line side. Is there anything else people might want to think about when it comes to kind of ranking and and finding the best opportunities for for their business?
1: Well, I mean, definitely those two axes are, are very critical. Now, of course, if you look at safety and security, you need to add a kind of a third axis because <laughs> the yes, the, 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 you know, the, the cost benefit ratio are a little bit different in that case because you have a risk assessment of if I injure you know if someone gets injured on on my shop floor that is absolutely you know, terrible and you can never let that happen so so there there is a little bit of additional focus on maybe on the safety security aspect where you need to pull in some intangibles of risk assessment along the the cost and, and yeah revenue ratio. And and for those that that's kind of very interesting because it opens up new opportunities for people to apply sensor fusion in 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 areas that they didn't really they couldn't make the the business ROI, let's say, legitimate to go forward. But if you add and tack on safety and security on top right you put the infrastructure that's needed but you tackle first the safety and security ai challenge and then you know you reap the benefit of having now the infrastructure on the video side to do all sorts of new things that you couldn't do before uh, including adding some thermal imaging points and feeds along the you know 2d or 3d cameras that that you've deployed and now you have you know amazing new capabilities based on saving you know people's lives or, or at least not not getting them injured and with the moving parts that are you know on the shop floors you now have moving robots all around you have moving equipment that's you know semi-automated or fully automated so so there, there are new hazards on the shop floors that were not there as much certainly not as pervasive like 10 years ago so those also need to be safeguarded against the moving things and yeah, those are in- ah, interesting use cases.
0: Got it. Okay, worthwhile to think about. So, I guess for the listeners, some good ideas about vision and audio, sometimes in a non-intuitive sense, kind of beyond human senses, and also the combination of those two. And I like the idea of can we have a you know small, medium, large, you know green, yellow, red on cost, on potential bottom line impact, and on potential impact for safety, which might by itself be enough for a company want to implement AI, because safety is obviously such a big deal in the heavy industry space with robotics. So hopefully those are good rules of thumb for the people that are tuned in. And Remy, I know that's all we have for time, but thank you so much as always for being able to join us on the show.
1: Thank you, Dan. Always great to uh, spend some time with you.
0: So that's all for this episode of the AI and Business Podcast. A big thank you to Remy for joining us, and thank you to you, our listener, for tuning in all the way through to the end of this episode. My goal on the AI and Business Podcast is always to coax out those insights that will help our audience think about where to apply AI, find a new place to be able to drive value in their own business even if we're talking about an industry that you don't work in to be able to see how these technologies work and where they're adding value hopefully opens that possibility space and whether you're working in an enterprise you need to find your own projects or whether you're working with clients as a consultant you need to identify improvement opportunities for them I hope today's episode was interesting. I really liked the idea of starting with human intuition, but then going beyond with other technologies. I appreciate Remy breaking into that. As I mentioned before, this episode was brought to you by Maya HTT. If you're interested in reaching Emerge's global executive audience, then you can learn more about our sponsored content and demand generation services at emerj.com slash ad1. That's emerj.com slash ad, like advertise, and then the number one, emerj.com slash ad one and learn more about our Emerge Media Services and how we work with AI product and service providers. That's all for this episode. Again, thanks so much for tuning in. I look forward to catching you in the next one here on the AI and Business Podcast.